International Women's Day 2023 sees the release of the third annual Be the Change Gender Equality Study. Funded by Believe and TuneCore and powered by Luminate, this study surveyed over 1,500 people in the music industry to shed light on how gender discrimination is both experienced and perceived by a wide range of respondents. Welcome to the future of what? I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. Today's episode is the first of two that we're doing on this study, and we're excited to discuss the big takeaways with Matt Yaji of Luminate, who helped to conduct it. It's all coming up on the future of what? Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lick the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own business. No, mind your own business. My guest today is Matt Yaji from Luminate. Matt, welcome back to the future of what? Thanks. Thanks, Portia. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. And especially today, because we are talking about the latest iteration of the Be the Change study, which has, I think this is its third year or fourth year? Third year, yeah. Third year, that's right. And you guys are, it just came in, all the data is now put together and ready to go. Oh, so I feel like we are that. super exclusive here with, with the results. <laughs> so lay it on me. What What are the big takeaways from this year's study? Yeah, absolutely. So this was Luminate's first year partnering with TuneCore on this study, and we are very excited. We surveyed over 1,600 people from the industry in over 100 different countries around the globe. We translated into 13 different languages so we could make sure we were getting feedback from as many people as possible. And, you know, it it's not great, Portia. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, but I think that's what we knew. That's why we're doing work like this. But there are some signs for hope. So so just to start off right off the bat, I think we we see again this year what what TuneCore has seen in the past two years of this study, which is there's a perception gap, right? That in order to fix a problem, we all have to agree that there is a problem. And what's reassuring is that just shy of 60% of the people we spoke to said that gender discrimination is a major issue in the music industry, which is good, right? More than half of people are taking this seriously. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the people with the most privilege when it comes to gender don't exactly see it as a problem. So men are 32% less likely to see gender discrimination as a problem, likely because they are not being discriminated against as frequently as women, non-binary and trans folks. Mm -hmm. And so women are 28% more likely to say that gender is an issue, uh, gender discrimination is an issue, and non-binary folks, um, 46% more likely to say that gender discrimination is an issue. So we've got some educating to do uh, among our cisgender male colleagues, because again, it, it's hard to get people on board as allies if they don't even think it's a problem. Right. And, and we need everyone to be a part of the solution, right? If it, it's not, when, and in some cases it is, but in most cases, it's not women discriminating against other women, right? Right. And, and you know, as we always say in any kind of um, inclusion work, you can't expect the people who are being oppressed to solve their own oppression by themselves. Exactly. And I think, you know, we cover a lot of different topics in the study this year and the different ways in which gender discrimination manifests in the music industry. And one of the more serious, definitely the, probably the most serious way that this manifests is through uh, sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. And I was gobsmacked at at the numbers that we saw. 
34% of women that we talked to said that they have been sexually harassed at work. Mm. That's one in three. Right. That number jumps even higher for trans and non-binary folks. 42 to 43 experience sexual harassment in the workplace. So 42% for trans, 43% for non-binary folks. Wow. And when we're getting to a point where it's almost one out of every two people of a certain demographic are experiencing that kind of insecurity in the workplace. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's easy to understand why you're not seeing as many people of these identities staying in the industry. Right. And certainly these issues aren't unique just to music. You know, we're, we're facing all kinds of issues in the climate right now where, you know, certain legislation even encourages this kind of behavior and discrimination against people. And I think what's probably the, the most upsetting thing is that only 13% of people who have experienced sexual harassment in the workplace, in music of the people we spoke to, have been able to report it. Wow. Like officially report it. Officially report it. Yes. Wow. And, you know, that does speak to the fact that workplaces in the music industry are often alternative workplaces. You know, I, my husband always says the music business is the only business in which drinking on the job is encouraged rather yes. than, you know, strongly discouraged. Exactly. Well, and I also think, too, we touch on this because one thing that was really important to us in this study was that, yes, we need to highlight the problems, but we also need to highlight the solutions. Like there are a lot of really well-intentioned people out there who want to help. They just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point about these non-traditional work environments, there are some very easy things that can be done to make these environments safer. So things like making sure that it's not just one woman and a bunch of men in a recording studio late at night when there's all kinds of substances being passed around, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Making sure that we're creating safe environments for people And that when there are issues, there are mechanisms and resources in place to help people. Like one out of three people who experience sexual harassment in the the music industry said that their claims were flat out ignored or they were told to not bring them up again. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. I mean, it is it's hard to divorce this study from the current climate that we're in in the US and I feel like it's, we really are undergoing some kind of a, I don't know, backlash moment or something where, you know, it's it's people's personal autonomy is being challenged left and right. And, and I think that that is contributing to this particular, you know, the results that we're seeing in this study. You know, if you don't, if you cannot be taken seriously, you know, when you report uh, what's essentially a crime in the workplace, you know, that points to a societal issue. 100%. And what's interesting is we also included a a whole section around mental health in the survey. And unsurprisingly, you can see that for women, trans and non-binary folks, it ranges from 76 to 82% of them stating that they struggle with their mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a direct result of the environment that they're being put in the types of behaviors that they're being subjected to um, and not always as dramatic as outright sexual assault like there there are other forms of discrimination you know we we refer multiple times to this industry as a bit of an old boys club because women trans and non-binary folks are also a lot more likely to 
say that they were excluded from either outside of the workplace activities, right? Like going for drinks with coworkers, being included in conversations, things that a lot of people take for granted. Mm. But that's where a lot of the networking happens. That's where a lot of the connections are made. So when it comes to review cycle and to promotion cycle, you know, there there is clear room for favoritism, for sexism, for um, transphobia to, to leak into those decisions. Um, and not always in a malicious way, right? Like we're not saying that everyone who is a part of the problem is doing this because they hate women hmm. or that they hate trans people, right? I think there's... There is a, a decent element of unconscious bias that's coming into play here because some people, because of their cis privilege, because of their gender privilege, have never had to think about this. Right. And I think one of the things we're finding is that there's more than in the past, I would say, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. There's there's anger at being asked to think about it. You know what I mean? I think we're in an interesting yeah, really. moment because... You know, it, it's it's suddenly become a, a situation where people feel aggrieved that they're being asked to take the feelings and, and experiences of others into consideration in circumstances where they're not used to doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's to draw a parallel. It's exactly why you see a large contingent of the political right being against critical race theory. Right. You mean I have to think about someone else's experience? <laughs> Critical race theory, which is not an actual thing that's taught in schools. It's only taught in law schools. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, it, some um, days it's harder than others to get out of bed. Yeah. Um, but but this, this point you bring up, though, is really interesting because in our solution section, we do talk about this, that there are, uh, are a large, and I'm trying to find the exact percent, uh, of people, yeah, one third of those in the industry tell us that they're afraid of saying the wrong thing when talking about gender. Mm. So I think you're, it, it speaks to this anxiety of people who may want to help, but are afraid of, of saying the wrong thing, of doing the wrong thing, and they want guidance. Which is great. It's great to know that there are people of goodwill out there, you know, people who want to be allies, but don't maybe know how to do it. So that's, that's you know, hopeful for, for change. Yeah, agreed. And we did see that it was over 60% of um, people believe that they have a role to play in creating a more gender equitable music industry. That's great. And so let's, let's use that um, to jump into sort of the change in demographics, because you you mentioned that it was translated into multiple languages this time. I know uh, music business executives were included this time, uh, in addition to artists. So, you know, how do you how do you think that affected the outcome of the study? I think it definitely made it more representative. So I can I can speak to kind of the the distribution of people who are represented in this study. So about 41% of our total sample was from uh, North America. 27% was from Europe, 11% from Africa, 15% from APAC, 5% from Latin America and the Caribbean. So, you know, certainly maybe not representative of the full population of those regions, but when you think about where the music industry has built up and, and resourced and staffed against the financial opportunity of music, certainly is a little bit more in line there. Um, just thinking about, you know, if you look at something like the IFPI numbers for what percent of music revenues come from different parts of the world. I am very proud that this study had a pretty even gender split mm. because it's, it, you know, 
it's one thing to say that yes, women are experiencing these things, non-binary and trans people are experiencing these things, but you need the benchmark, mm-hmm. right? Like, is it what is the difference in lived experience between different groups? So, forty-nine percent of our survey respondents were men, forty-five mm. were women, three percent were non-binary, and another three percent were other gender expansive individuals. Great, that's really great. And, yeah. in, and in future studies, I assume you guys are going to try to increase the percentages a little bit? Yeah, I think it's just what I know about having done a lot of research into the queer community and, and where those percentages usually sit. This feels about right, but obviously, you know, we have ways of you know comparing audiences regardless of what the, the total sample size looks like. But yeah, we, we can never have enough feedback from people within these communities. Right. And then when we look at where in the industry these folks come from, about a third of our respondents were solo artists or creators. And then we have a mix. It's kind of a little bit evenly distributed across, but from, you know, group artists or creators, independent record labels, distribution, artist management, live music, and then kind of the miscellaneous other bucket of people who work in corporate music across things like marketing, PR, uh, social media, business services, publisher PROs, et cetera. That's exciting. That's great that you guys got such a representative sample this year. Yeah, it was it was one of our key priorities. And I think this isn't just a problem here in the US or this isn't just a problem in Europe. And the way that we went about even just crafting the study this year and, and posing these questions to people, we didn't want to impose a I hate the term Western, but a Western-centric viewpoint on the rest of the world. We tried to be very objective in terms of, have you experienced this thing or not? Mm -hmm. Because there are different levels of perception of what constitutes gender discrimination around the world. Of course, yeah. Cultural differences, for sure. Exactly. And what was really interesting, because when we look at, you know, that initial first stat, I spoke about in terms of, do you perceive gender discrimination to be a major issue in the music industry? We actually see the highest percentage of that in North America. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, 68% of our North American respondents said that it was a serious problem, compared to only 38% in Africa. That is a that is quite interesting. So we we see generally it, it the perception is lower in the global south. And I'm not saying that it's less of a problem there. But in terms of where it's being perceived as a problem. And I think, you know, we we have a lot of organizations here in North America and as well as in Europe that are focused on helping to to fight this discrimination. So that's certainly probably bringing a lot more awareness to it. Organizations like Key Change, like Women in Music, uh, She the Music. So I think that's probably part of it. So there might be a need for more awareness generating in some of these areas, but I think a lot of times we we sit here in the U.S. and we think, oh, we're we're being really progressive, and in some cases we're not. Right. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Anything else that you would like to tell us about the study? I would just encourage anyone listening to this to download the full study, and in particular, go to the solutions section. So everyone has a role to play here. And I think one of the things that was really interesting to us, because we we had different sections, a real important piece here was intersectionality. We didn't want to just focus on gender, but how much 
the experience of gender is then also impacted by secondary and third identities as well. So women of color, queer women, women with disabilities, and perhaps not surprising, anytime women have an additional identity, intersectional identity, the problems get worse. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and in fact, when we even when we spoke to trans and non-binary folks, they actually felt that one of the sources of discrimination was from cis white women. Mm. Interesting. And so the idea here that it's not, we're all in this together, right? It, we should all be working to make sure everyone is comfortable, supported, and has equal opportunity in the industry, regardless of what their gender, racial or ethnic background, disability status, whether they're LGBTQ or not. Um, and we all face issues and we should all be working to make it a more just industry. And so that's why we put together a couple pages at the very end of the report called What Can You Do? <laughs> um, because I think that's that's often when we get to the end of these conversations, it's like, yeah, well, there's a big issue, but what do we do about it? Right. And so we've in this, we have different recommendations of what you can do depending on what position you hold in the industry. So we have recommendations for the industry at large for HR and leadership teams in terms of like what systems and programs you can put in place. We also have recommendations for men, right? Like you're, you're, you are a well-intentioned cisgender man. What can you do to help? Mm -hmm. We have recommendations for women and gender expansive individuals and also recommendations for creators as well. Oftentimes this conversation happens around artists, but you know, there's a lot of conversation to be had around producers and people who are in the studio, people who work on the crew at live events. And so there's, I think there's a lot of places, regardless of where you are in the industry, who you are demographically, um, to be able to help. And, you know, ultimately that's the reason why we do studies like this is because we, we don't need another <laughs> report that just sits on the shelf or in someone's share drive and collects dust. We do this because we want actionable data and we want things to change. So we're, we're really trying to arm people with what they need to be able to do that. Absolutely. And where can people go to, to download the study? Uh, it will be available on TuneCore's website. I'm sure both of our teams across Luminate, TuneCore Believe, we will be posting about it like crazy on, <laughs> on LinkedIn. So I'm sure next week on uh, International Women's Day, uh, it'll be hard to miss. But I will, I will make sure that we get you guys the, the exact link to put in the show notes. Fantastic. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Matt Yaji of Luminate, I appreciate your time as always. And thanks so much for this great work that you guys are doing. Of course. Thank you so much, Portia. Have a great day. And that's our show. Our theme song is Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five and is played by permission. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. As a reminder, Music Biz will be doing a webinar on March 23rd about the Be The Change study. Tune in at musicbiz.org. Today's show was engineered by Clark Buckner at Relationary Marketing in Nashville and was produced by Dana Rogers and Henrik Bick. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next time. Can I have a taste of your ice cream?